0: take your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to get there in just a minute. I want to welcome you today. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor, and it's great to have you worshiping with us this weekend and uh, just to have you here and be a part of what's happening on this Easter weekend. And again, it's going to be a beautiful day out here, 60 degrees, and wow. So I can't wait for that. So anyhow, and I know many of you have brunch plans, and since I'm a big guy myself, we'll make sure we take care of this really fast, all right? Everybody's like, okay, good, good. So, um, thank you, Bob. That makes me feel good right there. Um, But we're talking today. We're in a brand new series called The Network. And uh, Network, if I said Network 20 years ago, you would have thought of ABC, CBS, and NBC. Remember when there was like 13 channels? Remember you used to have to shake hands with the TV, you had to turn the dial? And uh, some of you are going, what? No, I don't remember that. Don't tell us. Okay, anyhow, so... But today, you fast forward 20 years later, and network has a whole new identity and what it means. Network today it refers to computer systems, and they're interlinking together. Network refers to business relationships. Network refers to insurance plans. Are you in network or out of network? That's a very important thing to know. Um, and uh, network is, is, is so much more than just uh, uh, you know, a TV station. And then your backside of your bulletin that you received when you came in today, there's some notes if you want to follow along. And again, if you don't have a Bible, the scripture is going to be up on the screen. But there's a definition to set us up with this series. And network is a system of interconnected people or objects having a common interest and formed to provide mutual assistance. And over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about four critical relationships that all of us need to have in our network relationally. Four key relationships this side of eternity that we all need to really navigate through life. And so this is going to be the very first of those four. And then we'll talk about another one the next week, another one the next week, and another one the following weekend. And then it's Mother's Day and my wife Tammy is going to be speaking all the weekend services. And so she's a much better speaker than I am. No, No applause. But, um, and so uh, she's going to be speaking and we'll be going into a brand new series. But for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about four key critical relationships that we all need in our lives to make it this side of eternity. This weekend, I'm going to talk to you about probably the most key or the most critical of the four. And that's this, it's in your notes. It's we need a savior. And, and most critical relationship in anybody's network is a savior. Now, let me talk about this for just a minute because We like this idea of savior, or sometimes we call it a hero. We love the whole concept of someone who is lost, hurting, hopeless, down on their luck, backs against the wall between the proverbial rock and a hard place, and then comes the hero. It doesn't matter if... If it's played by Brad Pitt or George Clooney or Johnny Depp, it doesn't matter if it's on the cinematic big screen or if it's on our favorite you know, weekly drama that we watch on NBC, CBS, Fox, whatever it is. We love it. We don't mind if it's played out in a biography on, on, on A&E. It doesn't matter if it's in a novel on a New York Times bestseller list or we see it on the nightly news. We love this concept of a hero. And here's someone that's hurting and hopeless and lost. And then like Superman, he is able to outrun a speeding bullet. He can, he can outrun a locomotive. He can, he can leap tall buildings in a single bound. It's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. And there he is to the rescue. And Superman comes in, and here he is to save the day. And he hears the cry for help from someone who's lost or hurting, in danger, hopeless. And, and the back's against the wall, and the Savior arrives, the hero arrives, and all of a sudden the lost becomes found, and the hurting becomes healed, and the helpless becomes has hope, and, 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 and we just love that story over and over and over. And Why? Have you ever thought about why we pay? I mean, it's the same story. Have you ever thought about that? Like, you go to the movies. I go to the movies, and we watch it. And it's, it's you know, it's set in a different time period, or or there's different actors. But it's the same basic thing. You've got a person. They have found themselves in the deep weeds, and they're at the end of their rope. And how are they going to get out this time? Right? And, and, and we do that. It's the same book. We know that it's different title, different pages, different, you know, but it's the same storyline. And here's the reason why. Because... We have all been that person. we've all been that person. we've all been the person who we found ourselves lost or hopeless or helpless or hurting now whether you whether you admit it or not, John Wayne, and whether or not you really you you'll own up to it, we've all found ourselves in that situation. I found myself in that situation more times I'd like to like to recount, but but we all find ourselves in that situation and and, and the reality is is um. We find ourselves, and we have tried our best. We've done everything we know to do. And we find ourselves kind of hopeless and hurting and danger and lost. And then what do we do? We're in deep weeds. What, what do we do? We, we just say, well, I'll fix it, right? I'll handle it. You know, I, I, I don't want to call my parents for help. I don't want to ask my kids for help. I, I don't want to ask my neighbor for help. I, I don't want to ask anybody for help. I'll fix it. And then we just, what do we do? We make matters worse. That's where the plot thickens, right? We see it in every movie, in every book, in every novel, in every story, in our own lives. It just goes from bad to worse. It's just like, can this get any more more grueling? Can this get any more out there? Can this get any more lost or, or hopeless or helpless? And we find ourselves in those situations. And then we realize that do you remember playing Little League? Your dad would tell you, just go out there and do your best. Go to the plate, do your best. Go to right field, do your best. Be, play shortstop, do your best. Whatever it is, just do your best. Just be your best. And so you do your best but, and, and to fix the situation, but then you wake up and you realize this isn't Little League anymore, Johnny, and we're not standing on a baseball diamond. It's real life. It's real world. And the problems we're talking about are real deal situations. like Problems like where we can lose our house. Problems like where we can lose our job. Problems like we're going to lose our marriage. Problems we're going to lose our kids. Problems where, where we have messed up yet another relationship. Problems where yet we come to the end of ourselves one more time trying to fix it. And life kind of feels like a broken record, kind of like, hey, won't you play another, right? I mean, we just kind of come to the end of ourselves. And in that moment, we have a decision to make. Either are we going to continue to stay on this merry-go-round of the same song, second verse, doesn't get better, just gets worse. Or are we going to stop the merry-go-round and get off, drop to our knees, lose our dignity, ditch our pride, and cry out and say, I am hurting, I am hopeless, I am lost. For all of us men in this room that are directly impaired. I am lost and I need a savior. I need a hero. I need someone that can come in and that can fix this mess that I've made. That can fix this situation that i made. We all find ourselves in need of a savior. But that's the good news of Easter. That's what we're celebrating today is that there is someone who can be a savior. There is someone who can come into your hopeless situation and bring hope. There is someone who can come into your lost situation and help you find your way home. There is someone who can walk into your your hurting situation and heal you and meet you right where you are. If you take your Bible and turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 2, if you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen. But we're going to read this because the Bible talks about this very straightforward. The whole thing we're talking about in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. You were dead through your trespasses and sins. And once you lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. For all of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses. We were by nature children of wrath, like everyone else. Verse 4. But God. Who is rich in mercy, out of great love, which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses. He made us alive together with Christ. For by grace we've been saved and raised up with him. And seated, he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's a gift of God. Verse nine, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. Well, we we see in this passage the exact same scenario that we're talking about that we've seen in movie after movie, and story after story, and, and 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 series drama after series drama. We see the situation. It's in your notes. Our situation. is, verse one says we're dead. I mean, we are dead. Like. We're dead, Fred, in the morgue, dead. CSI Miami, uh, autopsy, 9 o'clock on, on Monday night, dead. I mean, where we're, we've been opened up to be completely examined. We are dead, the Bible says. And we're dead because of two reasons, it says in verse 1. Number one, our sin. Whoa, man, wait a minute, bro. I had nothing to do with that. Isn't there somebody named Adam and Eve way back in the beginning who they royally messed up, and now we're paying for it? You're right. The Bible says that you and I are born into this fleshly state, into this sinful nature. We're all born this way. We all walk into this planet, and, and, and because of things beyond our own control, our own humanity, it's flawed. Our DNA, in the very basis, it's flawed. And we've got this thing in us that's called sin. And basically, really simply, sin is being disobedient to God and to His will and His word. What, what do you mean? I, I mean this. The things that, you, that God tells you to do, you don't do. And you kind of do your own thing. It, that's, it's the sin thing that we're born into. And if you don't think that we don't want to do our own thing, I encourage you to just to watch a toddler this afternoon. And when you tell them to go this way, they go that way. And when you tell them to stop, they go. And, uh, and when you tell them to do something, then yeah, you know. Because why? Because they're, they're, they are just like all of us, we're all flawed. So I give you that. We're born into the sin nature. But the second reason why we're dead is because of the Bible says in verse 1 that it's trespasses. Those are choices that we made. Sin may not be a choice that we made in the beginning to be born into this, but trespasses are choices and decisions that we made. We saw the sign, don't trespass. We saw what God's Word said about not doing this, not doing that, not going here, not going there, not being involved in this activity or that activity. But yet we went, you know, I'll take my chances. I'll do my own thing. I'll work it out. And we found ourselves Dead because of our own choices. Because today you are a lump sum sum of your choices. You are where you are today because you made some choices. Oh, there's some bad things that happened to me. I get it. There's sin. Yes. Verse 1 says that there's sin. There's bad people in this world and there's things that happen, things that are beyond our control. I get that. Verse 1 says that. But it also says that we're dead because of our trespasses. Those stupid decisions that I've made. Those dumb decisions that I've made. Those times where I didn't heed God's word. Those times where I went, yeah, I'm going to do it on my own. Those times where I'm doing it my way. And I find myself dead. But it doesn't end there. Verse 2 says, I'm decaying. So I'm dead and I'm decaying. It's not like I'm dead and I'm in this perpetual state of just being dead. No, as soon as I die, my body begins to decompose. My organs shut down. There's no oxygen going through through my body. There's no blood coursing through my veins. And I'm dead. I become discolored. I become rigor mortis sets in. I am dead. And I'm decaying. You can't have some cybergenic spiritual case where you're kind of like Han Solo and Empire Strikes Back where you're frozen in time. But sometimes I think we think, well, we're just kind of like frozen. We're just kind of there. No, 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 no. You're dead and you're decaying. I'm dead and I'm decaying because of my own choices and because of the sin that, I made in, that, that, that I'm in. And then he says in verse 3, our situation, we're dead, we're decaying, but we're also dominated. We're dominated by all of those crazy passions and lusts of the flesh. All of those things that we, that have more of a hold on us than we have on them. Oh, I can quit tomorrow, can you? I can stop anytime I want to. Can you? Paul even said, who wrote more of the New Testament than any other individual? The things that I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I do want to do, I don't do. This isn't a new problem. This isn't a new situation. Don't 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 think you're the only one in the world. I'm telling you, every person in this room battles this. You don't believe me? Try uh, uh, this is this is just kind of my own personal confession. I mean, try starting a diet, you know? I mean, you know, it's one of those things where the things I know I'm not supposed to eat, those are the things that I eat. Right now, I'm having a steady diet of Cadbury eggs that are frozen and that are hidden in my refrigerator. If you've never tried it, I'm telling you, it's like, ah, it's heavenly. I have about six hidden in my refrigerator right now because I ate about six yesterday. So anyhow, and I wish I could tell you I was lying, but um, but you don't get a body like this by just, just doing anything. Yeah, it's not easy. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes a long time. But the things that I don't want to do, I do. Have you ever found yourself in that situation? And the things that I do want to do, it seems like I can't do. You, you want to know why? Because verse 3 says we're dominated. We've gotten ourselves so dead and so decayed that now we don't, we are almost powerless. Sounds like a sounds like a typical storyline of a blockbuster movie? Sure. What's going to happen with Jason Bourne? Will he get out? Will he die? Will he live? What will happen? Stay tuned next week as we see what happens. I mean, it's one of those deals. That's where we are. We're dead, decaying, and we're dominated. And some of you are like going, hey, great, man, I shaved my legs for this. This is awesome. Happy Easter to you too. I'm really glad to know that's my condition in life. Well, it doesn't stop there. Because then verse four introduces our savior, our hero. And the Bible says that that, that our savior comes in and verse 4 says that he brings greater love no other man has ever brought love on the scene than this I mean love that is beyond everything and you know what makes the love of God the love of, of Jesus Christ so great is that it's unconditional see the love that you and I give each other is conditional love you smile at me I'll smile back at you I don't know not, not everybody does that but you try it you, you, you're kind to me, I'll be kind to you. You know, you do something nice for me, I'm going to do something nice for you. It's reciprocal. Our, human, human love is reciprocal love. You're kind to me, great, I'm going to be kind to you. You're nice to me, I'm going to be nice to you. You do something nice for me, I'm going to be nice for you. you. You invite me to something, gonna, it's reciprocal love. God's love doesn't work that way. God's love, the Bible says even in this passage, that when we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, and our trespasses. so we were dead in, in this world, and we were dead because of our choices, God loved us. And if you don't hear anything else I say this weekend, if you don't hear any other lyric from any other song, you don't catch any other soundbite from any video, I want you to hear this. God loves you, period. But I hate God. God loves you. They don't even like church. God loves you. I don't even like you. God loves you. That's okay. You don't have to like me to get to heaven. You have to love me. No, you don't have to do any of that. God loves you. Why? Because he chooses to. See, that's what makes God's love so incredible. I don't have the ability to love you that way. I I wish I could love people the way God does, but I can't. Because I may forgive you, but I don't forget. And it's not that I'm proud of that. It's just, I'm just like you. We're all the same. We're flawed. But God isn't. And our Savior comes onto the scene. And he brings this unsurpassing love. John 3, 16, for God so loved. That word so means without conditions, without strings. And I know you may have been a person that you've been assaulted by an overzealous evangelical Christian with a Thompson chain reference Bible the size of of, of a car door (laughs) because they've just powered you. You know, this week I, I went into an establishment that I regularly go into, and uh, and and uh, there was a person there that I have a uh, I've developed a relationship with. You know, it's kind of a casual deal, and uh, and uh, this individual came up to me, and she was totally just off put by an overzealous evangelical Christian that basically just pretty much judged her. And I don't think she has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm not judging her. I'm just saying based upon the conversations that I've had with her, I'm not sure. Maybe she does. But she was offended. She was more than offended. She was hurt. And she kind of was like, Who died and made this person God? And so she knowing that I'm the pastor at Life Church, I'm just walking in doing my, 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 my business, and and she says, Hey, can I talk to you for a second? I said, Sure. So I sat down and Talked to her and she said, This person just came up to me, and here's the scenario. And it was a classic deal where this person's trying to witness, and in their witnessing, they're not loving, they're just trying to say, I'm right and you're wrong. You ever had anybody do that to you? I have. Milwaukee Airport, Friday nights, there's somebody that stands right there where Brooks Brothers is, where I'm going to walk in my car, and, and, I, and they yell at me and go, You're going to hell. And I go, Really? And I, I mean, I'm the pastor. I mean, I'm like going, you have no clue who I am. Put down your bullhorn and just love people. That's again, that's another message for another day. So we've all been condemned. We've we had people do this. And, and I'm talking to this person, and I feel le- genuinely sorry because that's not the way God wants to be represented. But there is sin. That's right. There is sin. There is a real hell. Yeah, there is. There is only one way to find Jesus, to get to God through Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's what the Bible says. I didn't write it that way. It's what the Bible says. But I'm not the judge. Neither was this individual. But yet this individual tried to become the judge. And so I just talked to her for a minute. And I just said, listen. She goes, do you believe that God's the only way? I said, yeah. Because the Bible says so. And I told her where it said it. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the way? That... I said, yeah. But I said, what this individual did was they judged you. And that's not my role. That's not his role. There's only one that can do that, and that's God. What God says to you is that he loves you. Whether you accept him or you, you, you reject him. Whether you get it or you don't. Whether you want it or you don't. God loves you. And if you just like, flip God off and go to hell, he still loves you. Nothing, the Bible says, can separate from the love of God. Nothing. God's love is so great and so vast and so huge that nothing can do that. And I just told her, I said, I'm sorry. And I said, but but the, but the Bible taught, says that we as Christ followers are just to love and that people will know us by our love. And I looked at her and I said, you know God loves you. And God has an awesome plan for your life. And I said, just know that. And I said, this guy wasn't trying to hurt you. I said, I'm not, I'm not excusing his actions, but he was just trying to... He didn't do a very good job delivering the message. But the good news of Easter is, is that there's this great love that we have from God, not from us. The second thing that verse 5 says that our Savior does is He gives us grace. That word grace means undeserved or unearned favor. That God comes in and that He gives us grace... See, the bottom line is you. This, this is what this is what people say. Well, I'll come to church and I'll come to God when when I get cleaned up. I'll come to church. I'll come to God when everything's good. When, when, and when people tell me that, I laugh out loud, and they look at me like I can't believe you're laughing at me. You're a pastor of a church, and I'm telling you when I'm going to come to church. And I'm like. Oh. Because it's the craziest idea I've ever heard. It's it's laughably hilarious. Because you and I will never be good enough to come to God. You and I will never be good enough and cleaned up enough. I won't be, you won't be, your priest won't be, your pastor won't be, Mother Teresa wasn't. Whoa. None of the people in the Bible were except for one. And it was because he was God. His name was Jesus Christ. See, it's by grace that we've been saved, not by our works. Lest any of us would boast. That's what it says. It's by the grace of God, the unearned, unmerited, undeserved grace of God that you and I are sitting here today. It's by the grace of God. God doesn't. he don't have to buy your way into heaven. You don't have to be with the in crowd or in the right network to get into heaven. You don't have to go to the right church and know the right people. It's the grace of God. That's what makes it so amazing. When we sang that last song, that's what makes it so powerful. When he's saying, My chains are gone, I'm free. I, I, I owed a debt I couldn't pay. I, there was a price that was so high that I could not attain it. Yet Jesus Christ came in my stead. Why? Because God loves me. Wow. Grace. We're never going to be good enough. For the good news is, we don't have to be. I'm never going to be good enough. Oh, my goodness. I wish I could tell you I'm the pastor of the church, and I'm perfect. I'm not. No pastor is. I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. These feet that I have are made of clay, man. I am flawed. I have issues. I'm not home yet. I can't wait to the day that... that. That I stand before God and the struggles and the things in my life that I battle with will be over. There's no gross sin or immorality in my life. I'm not telling you that I live some double-duplicit life or anything of that kind of a deal. But I'm just telling you that I, just like everybody else in this room, and anybody that's honest with themselves, what Paul says here in the book of Ephesians is that we're all saved, not by our works, not by our things. A thousand lifetimes, we couldn't, we, we couldn't earn it. But grace... This amazing grace. That's what this Easter is all about is that God so loved you and so loved me that He gave His only Son and that His only Son paid a price that we could never pay. Why? Because God graciously loves us. Even when we're dead and decaying and dominated in sin, He loved you and loves you and graciously stands. And the thing that He gives you is the last thing right here it says our Savior does. His love and his grace gives us this gift of life, verse 8 says. The gift of life. Now here's what's amazing to me about the whole gift of life. Is that God not only gives us the gift of life for tomorrow. Because we're used to that. You know, well, we go to heaven and I want to go to hell. And, And basically this whole Savior thing is about fire insurance so that I don't burn in hell. You ever heard that one? But it's more than that. The Bible says in the book of John chapter 10 that Jesus Christ didn't just come to give us life in eternity, But he came to give you and I life and life to the full today. So the God life that we live today, this amazing love, this amazing grace that comes into our life, not only does it work for tomorrow, it works for today. So even in our dead and decaying and dominated, sin-filled lives, and we've all been there, that love and grace of God gives you and I life. What does that mean? That means this. That that means that God's able to minister to your needs right now today. That means He's able to put back that relationship today. He's able to mend that home today. He's able to meet your financial need today. He's able to meet that physical need today. He's able to mend that marriage today. He's able to show up in your life today before you ever get to heaven today. Because if all He does is save you and I from hell, then what are we really doing here? The reality is, is that he not only saves us from from, from eternity, from hell, but he gives us life and life to the full today to live this overcoming God life that he's called us to. Do you know that? That God wants you and I to live life and life to the full. He wants you and I to live life. I don't think you get it. He wants us. To live this overcoming, exhilarating life. Well, all I've ever seen are crusty Christians. And you've been looking at the wrong thing, bro. Because I'm telling you, the life that God calls us to, this gift of life that Paul talks about in this passage, that when the Savior comes into my dead, decaying, and dominated life, He breathes life into me. And immediately for the first time, I'm alive. I can see my chains are gone. I am free to love my wife. I am free to love my kids. I am free to serve God. I am free to live life. That's the good news of Easter. And not just for today, but when I step from this life into eternity, and the Bible says it's going to be appointed unto every man once to die and then the judgment. But he takes the sting of death and of hell and the grave away. Why? Because I know when I stand before God and he says, he calls me my name and says, Aaron, why shall I let you into heaven? I'll say the words that Romans says that saves me from my sins because I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and His love and His grace has come into my life and it set me free. And then I'll hear the words that I've been living my whole life to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. Not because I did the right things, not because I was perfect, not because I was a pastor, but because I was just a recipient of this great love and this grace of God. So today I wanna just ask you one question And then we're going to go to a closing song, and I'll be back. But it's this. Today, you're in your dead and decaying and dominated life. And Jesus, your Savior and my Savior, is here today to give us life, the gift of life. Will you accept it?
1: to the story true love died when blood and water hit the ground walls we couldn't move came crashing down we were free and made alive the day that true love died the day that true love died
2: This is a lie, Rodney oh, is a lie.